Welcome to Tech Talk Online, sponsored by Stratford University. You can listen to Tech Talk Live Saturday mornings from 9 till 10. Find us online at federalnewsradio.com or hear us on the radio in the Washington, D.C. area on the following frequencies, 1500 AM and 1039 FM HD2. We thank you for listening to Tech Talk Radio. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge of Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. Lots of exciting things this week. The Zuckerberg was at Congress. And what did that show? Shows that he owns a suit. It shows how little Congress knows about technology. Wasn't that pathetic? (laughs) Bunch of old men who don't know how to use a cell phone. That's right. It it was more of a display of incompetence on the part on the part of Congress. And we want these people regulating this. Why? Yeah, that is a small small problem. And of course, there was lots of other things going on. Um, uh, You know, we. People are worried about Facebook, how to remain anonymous on Facebook. So there's all this discussions about how you can be remain anonymous when you are on the web. We're going to talk a Here's bit the about problem. that. It's too late. It's all already out there. It's too late. I know. You, well, you have to ch- you have to come up with a new identity. And you know, <laughs> and just because we love to scare everybody, you know, we talked about how the 911 system in Baltimore got broken into because of some incompetence and how. Atlanta got broken into. We're going to talk about what the real weakness in the country is. It's on our infrastructure. And uh, you remember Crimea, the electrical grid was brought down by the Russians. Okay, the same methodology they are poised to do here using and attacking SCADA devices, supervisor control, and data acquisition devices. We'll talk a bit about that. Okay. And uh, today we are going to feature the man behind a Spotify. Spotify is, of course, a music streaming service. And people believe that this may be the business model that saves the music industry. Really? Yeah, because it is actually a way to, uh, it's more attractive than piracy. <laughs> and the, and the, um, and the uh, artists and labels actually get some revenue from it. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's actually working, and I think as they tweak that model, I think that'll be the, the, the new model for music distribution. And he has an interesting story, Daniel Eck. And, of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. Well, it's good to say he showed, see, oh, he showed up on he time. he certainly was right on the money. We got an email from Susan in Alexandria. Hi, Dr. Shirts. On today's show, this would be the show uh, two weeks ago, you mentioned that you use malware bytes as an antivirus. Does malware bytes interfere with Windows Defender? If so, what do you recommend, Susan and Alexandria? Well, Susan, malware bytes is a very light antivirus software, and you can run it on top of other antivirus software. So it's actually quite good. And those who've used it uh, uh, say that you can just run it right on top. You can run Windows Defender and leave malware bytes there because they actually are searching for different things, and malware bytes is really effective. And if you want to use the real-time 
features of malware bytes. You have to pay for that, but it will block an ad that you might be going into uh, before you get infected with antivirus uh, or before you get infected from any malware which is on that device. We got an email from Raymond in Kansas. What is IFTTT? Don't ask me. And can I use it to trigger events? Uh, love the podcast, Raymond in Kansas. Well, IFTTT is an application, and it stands for If This, Then That. Okay. IFT is If This, and TT is Then That. If This, Then That. It is actually a triggering device that's quite interesting. I, I actually use it on my cell phone. What you do is you download the app IFTT to your iPhone or your Android phone, and then you link it to uh, to a device that you have. And IFTT has built into it many applets which will which will trigger events. So, for instance, at home I've got my internet connected garage door, Next Garage, that I talked about on the show a few weeks ago. So it turns out that IFTTT, if this, then that, has an applet for next. So I went to the applet for next, and I put this trigger. If it is 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, close the garage door. So now every night at 9 o'clock, you know you know how sometimes you go to bed and you say, oh, did I close what the garage What if somebody's driving through the garage door at exactly 9 o'clock? Well, that, that is a problem. So you, you <laughs> so, Well, that's why you have the sensors. Okay. <laughs> That's why you have the sensors. You're putting that, a lot that, of faith in this. Yeah. So so every night at nine o'clock, uh, my garage door closes. But but you could do things like, if it is raining, send me a text message to take an umbrella to work. This is just way too complicated. <laughs> no, it's extremely easy to set up once you download IFTTT, and you and you search around for any of the devices that you have in your house. You can trigger them. It's actually not that. It may sound complicated if you don't see it, but it's very, very easy to use, and it's. Uh, you have a PhD. It's things. It, things it's, are simpler for you. It's. I mean, actually, I could have probably lived without having my garage door close automatically at nine o'clock. I, I could probably survive. Mm -hmm. You know. You know. Quite. Quite well. And, but now that I have this IFTT. Every night at 9 o'clock, I say, I wonder if IFTT works. So so actually, I could close the garage door myself. I don't have to have it automated because it's... Whatever it, happened to just doing stuff on your own, right? I mean... Uh, and now with my garage door, I don't even go out and push the button. I, I close my garage door from my cell phone because it's all connected to the Internet. Mm -hmm. In fact, I could open my garage door right now here in the studio, open my garage door. I don't know what use that would be because I can't drive through it at this moment. But it's, Somebody might drive through it if you do that. That's right. It could be available. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a problem. That reminds me of I was, uh, I was once visiting someone, and, they, and so the guy walked out into the garage, and he opened the garage door, got in the car, and waited for his wife to come out. She came out thinking the garage door was closed oh boy. she pressed the button oh no. and took the open garage door and closed it hopped in the car and he backed through oh the, and he backed no. through the, he backed through the garage door see this is what i'm this, telling you it's this is would much. be an issue like if you were going to go out some night and you know for a quick bite to eat or a like, drink would make it even worse a, a, a quick drink like at two minutes to nine you run out to the garage, run out, hop in the car, open the garage door, and then the IFTTT triggers the garage door and it closes, and boom, 
right on your car. Yeah, so that could happen, but I'm going to be See? very, I'm going to be very okay, careful. Okay, is there an IFTT that overrides IFTT? If this, then that, but not that, or something. I don't know. Well, I don't, you, you I don't think so, but the, you, you maybe have it. It's, it's actually a fun app. It is a fun app. Until you drive through the garage door. Okay, this thing. This is the thing. Like you know, I'd go to a cocktail party. I F T T T. If this, then that. You know, if you drink too much, then I'll go home. <laughs> We're all familiar if with this. If I start telling tech stories at <laughs> yeah. the cocktail party, the room will clear out. That's right. If you're too boring on tech talk, I'll turn off the radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's an if this then that. <laughs> we got an email from Jim. In the studio. Yeah. Whoa. Dear Doc, I bought a new thumb drive to use as a backup for the one I've had for several years, and I dragged a bunch of files and folders to the new drive. And I've only had it for a couple of weeks, and already several of the folders containing MP3 files on the new drive are corrupted. And one entire folder is bad. I got another one with corrupted audio files within the folder. I've tried to scan and repair the drive, but that doesn't seem to work. I tried to delete the corrupted files. That doesn't work. I can't delete them. Is there a way to wipe the drive and start all over again? Well, I'm going to guess that you probably copied all of the files over and pulled it out before they had been fully transferred. No. That 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 did that, not happen? No, it worked for a while. Oh. It worked for a while, and then when I plugged it back in, um, I got the, the – the, it's, it's been corrupted code. Do you want to recover it? Blah, blah, blah. So I mm -hmm. tried to follow the instructions on how to recover it. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work. It doesn't work. So, the, so if you've got a Windows 10, you can go, you know, you can right-click on it. Uh, you can go to the, you can go to the thumb drive. You can right-click on it, and you can. There's something called check button, and you'll, mm -hmm. well, you'll, you'll come up with a, you'll come up with it with a screen. There's a tools tab. I think at the we top. only have eight at work. This is where I use it at the yeah. other job. Well, I, well, set then. It, it, I, well, it, I think it'll be very similar to seven okay. and eight, seven, and so what it is. You right-click on the removable disk icon, mm -hmm. and then there will be a, um, a a window that comes up. Click on Tools, mm -hmm. and then you'll go down. and And if I think if you got seven or eight, it's going to say you know scan and repair. If you have ten, it's going to say check. So you hit the check button, and then the scan and repair will come up. And so you click that. So that's oh. the Windows system doing a scan and repair. I have it with me now. Let's try this. Okay, now. If that fails, you can reformat it, and then you'll lose all the data on it, and That's then you—it's a backup. It's okay. It's a backup, so you could you could just reformat it, and uh, if you want to do that, you simply the same thing. You 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 highlight the uh, the 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 thumb drive. You right click on that, and then in, instead of going to tools, you'll just see something that says um, that says format. So you click format. And then you've got a chance that says repair device defaults. Click on that. And then you can click start, and you'll start the reformat process. And, um, and now you may want to do, there's something called um, quick formatting. Quick formatting does not check the, 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 the drive for errors, but I think you'd want to uncheck the quick formatting so it'll, so it'll do a deep dive in the, in the in the in the drive and isolate any bad sectors. Okay. Then once you say okay, click on that, and then you should. So you got two two options here to try to fix it. Okay. So I've, I just put it in in the computer. Uh huh. And uh, right clicked on it, and I just I hit the right click on format. You want to format? You want to try to fix it first or format it? Yeah. If you just want to format it. Well, I want to fix it. 
Yeah, so then go down to the bottom under where it says properties. Okay, Click on properties. properties, and then you'll see a tools tab at the top on the second tab from the left. I see nothing. Okay, let's move on. We'll figure this out later. Okay. This is boring radio. I listen All to you right. Now, we got an email from Arnie in Colorado Springs. Hi, Dr. Schertz. I'm using DSL reports for some speed testing, which you suggested that a while back. It's an it's interesting. Sometimes I'm lucky to get 300 kilobits per second out here in Colorado Springs. Other time I just get 130 megabits per second. But I've got a buffer bloat, and I'm getting a score of F on my buffer bloat. <laughs> I really miss okay. Verizon FiOS like you have. I, you know, I, how can I decrease my buffer bloat <laughs> so I can reboot the router? I'd say a diet's in order. <laughs> Can I buy an app to decrease it? Comcast broadband is so fickle here in the springs, I could shout. Really enjoy Tech Talk with all your information. Now the buffer bloat problem has arisen. Arnie in Colorado Springs. Well, okay, buffer bloat, this is what it's caused by. If your router, when you're, when you're uploading, if your router thinks that the Internet pipe is very fast, it will send data out at a very fast rate. But if the pipe is actually slow, it's sending data faster than the pipe than the pipe can be filled up and it will go into a buffer to try to buffer it out. And that buffer then leads to latency. So if you have a like Skype calling, this is where it's really bad. If you try to use things where you need real real-time operation like with Skype voice over IP, you're going to get this tremendous latency in your conversation, and it's a problem. Normally, if you're just downloading web pages, you don't care if you get a little buffer bloat. You don't notice it. But if you've got things where t timing is really important, uh, you, you do want to worry it. What you need is if you want to manage the buffer bloat, you actually have to throttle down the, um, the side of the, uh, the pipe, which is too fast, to eliminate the mismatch between the two pipes. And you do that with smart queue management algorithms, and those are, those are actually built in the routers. Unfortunately, smart queue management algorithms have just been released, and not all routers have it. Now, if you really want to get the best router for smart queue management, because you just cannot stand that buffer bloat. Now, if you're not using, by the way, if you're not using, you know, voice over IP or Skype or other things or video video chat, then it, the buffer bloat's not going to hurt you. But if you've got real-time connections, it, it, it will be troublesome. IQ Router has got a great, uh, you know, has got a great algorithm for uh, smart queue management, and it's very easy to set up. IQ Router got great reviews. People said they, they put it on there, it just, you know, they start out with an F on buffer bloat, and after it runs a while, and, and it and adjusts its configuration as it responds to your to your internet service provider connection, they, they the guys you know they they eventually get it to A after a couple of weeks. That's an IQ router. Now there are a couple of other there are three other routers that actually have built in a QSM codes. You've got Untangle, NG Firewall, Ubiquity is one, and those are two more. And but you have to you have to then configure those QFM QSM codes slightly. They're not auto configured for you, so you've got to go to another website ipfire.org to figure out how to set up the configuration settings. So probably your best bet is to get IQ router. Now, here's the thing. You could call your router vendor support line. And you've got the information from DSL reports on your speed test and on your buffer bloat. And you can, 
you can talk to them about the buffer, buffer bloat problem and ask them if they have a firmware update for your router, which, which, in Q, which includes QSM, or whether they have a configuration suggestion for you. You can actually manually fix it. They have something called quality of service, QOS, and you could go to your, say, your Skype call, and you could give it a very high QOS so it always has priority, and that can minimize the problem of buffer bloat for your voice over IP calls. But you're better off just getting a router that has the full QSM implemented. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu. We'll get back to you immediately, or we may um, cover it on the next show. True. It's Saturday morning, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio here on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD 2, 103.9 FM HD 2. On the web at stratford.edu and also at federalnewsradio.com. You can watch us do the show by downloading the Periscope to your uh, app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. Ready to make a real difference in 2018? A degree in cybersecurity, digital forensics, or networking and telecommunications could help you secure your future as you help secure the world. Stratford University is now enrolling for 2018. Classes start January 8th with career-focused IT degree programs to fit your busy schedule on campus and online. Let Stratford's experienced IT faculty share their industry knowledge and practical solutions to help you succeed in one of today's most sought-after fields with accelerated classes and year-round program starts to help you earn your degree faster. Register today at stratford.edu slash 2018. That's stratford.edu slash 2018, where you'll also find details on Stratford's limited-time $15,000 IT scholarship competition to help you achieve your degree goals. Get complete information now at stratford.edu slash 2018. Stratford University, changing lives one student at a time. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge of Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes, today we're going to feature Daniel Eck. Daniel Eck is a Swedish entrepreneur who is best known as the co-founder and CEO of the music streaming service Spotify. He has been claimed to be the most powerful man in music now because his revenue model may save the record industry. Mm. Daniel Eck was born February 21st, 1983 in Sweden. He grew up in the suburbs of Stockholm, Sweden. In 2002, Eck graduated from the IT gymnasium. It was a high school. That's a, they call their high schools gymnasiums uh, at uh, Sundeberg. <laughs> it's, it's a gymnasium for working out your mind. Yes. Uh, after he graduated from high school, he enrolled in the KTH Royal Institute of Technology. And he started working on theoretical um, IT topics, and he was just bored with the theory. 
He dropped out after eight weeks. <laughs> His mom was not very happy about that. But he was basically interested in IT and IT things. His, his first uh, foray into the business world began at age 13 when he started a business making websites for clients in his hometown. Now, his first client, he charged $100 for that. And mm. then the second client, he charged $200. And eventually, he started charging $5,000 per website. That's quite the upgrade. Now he helped, and he, and he, in order to help expand his business, Eck recruited students from his class to work on the website from the school computer lab, and he bribed them with video games. <laughs> <laughs> and so they were in the school computer lab working on websites, working for Eck. He paid them in video badges. By the time he graduated from high school, he was earning fifty thousand dollars a month. Jeez, think about that. By, that's by eighteen, amazing. he was managing a team of twenty-five web developers. Then he bought some servers to see what made them tick, and he set up a server farm in his bedroom, and he started earning another $5,000 a month hosting web pages. In fact, he had so many servers in his bedroom, and it was so hot, as soon as he got home, he'd have to strip down to his underwear. That's what I was going to ask you. As soon as he got home, it was just, he was just drenching in sweat, so he'd had to strip down to his underwear. In Sweden. In Sweden, yeah. to, 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 to manage the, the servers. Now, of course, his parents said, why in the world is our electric bill now $5,000 a month? <laughs> well, you know what? He could pay for it, you know. That's right. With one website. So at six, at 16, he um he he decided he he, would, he wanted to set up his own search company. He he thought Google was pretty cool. So he started he set up his own search business using the uh, his own search company using the computers in his bedroom. But uh, that that really failed. He 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 had trouble competing with Google actually. But that led to a gig with a company called Jaja, Jaja, I guess, J-A-J-J-A. -A -A. I think you're right. And, I'll uh, go with that. And that's where he was. Uh, he worked on search engine optimization. But, I mean, he got good money, but he was just bored silly with it. He used his money to buy more servers to stick them in his bedroom. I mean, his bedroom was becoming a, a server-packed place. Surfer-packed. Um, that's right. Uh, then there, there was a guy at uh, there was a company called Trump Trade Doubler, and they and they were basically it was an advertising site, a Stockholm-based advertising site, and they and they were they were placing ads on a lot of different websites. And the guy who ran Trade Doubler asked him to build a program that could sort of track all these sites and help distribute the ads to the sites. And so he created a. Uh, a back-end program for him that would interact with all the sites that they were where they were delivering ads, and he did such a good job developing this software that they paid him a million dollars for it. For the they paid him a million dollars for the rights to it because he developed it and then just was letting them use it, but he didn't sell them the rights. So he sold them the rights for a million dollars, and then he patented a number of key elements in this thing, and he sold the related patents to the device for another million dollars. So there he was. At age 18, with a couple million dollars. Wow. So he was thinking, hey, I'm doing pretty well. But then he, after he, met, after he sold his, um, his application to, the, to Trade Doubler, he called his application AdVertigo. AdVertigo. Um, then he briefly became CEO of uTorrent, which was, uh, which, and, he, and he worked with the uTorrent founder, uh, but eventually, uTorrent was sold to BitTorrent, and that was one of these peer-to-peer -peer download programs. But after the sale of AdVertigo 
He, I mean, that was, he was a wealthy guy, $2 million, uh, you know, right out of high school. Uh, you know, eight, not eight, bad. You know, he's got, he's got a solid eight weeks of college under his belt. <laughs> he decided to retire. So he, he got himself a, uh, got himself this fancy apartment, uh, got himself a big sports car and just started living the high life. And he realized that he was attracting all the wrong kind of people. And the women who wanted to date him only wanted his money. Of course. And so he was thinking, you know, this isn't what I wanted. So he just shut down. He sold his Ferrari and he moved to a log cabin out in the out in the woods with his guitar. And he just meditated. He said, is this all there is to life? He was really frustrated out there. And he thought, well, maybe I could... I could play. I become a musician because his parents had given him a guitar when he was five years old. They also gave him a, a computer, a Commodore Twenty, uh, when he was young. So he, so he'd always been, you know, around computers and around music for a while. His both of his parents were musicians, so I thought, well, maybe I could, you know, play the guitar, and I wouldn't make much money, but I'd be happy. Now, during that same time that he was hanging around, Double Traders Chairman. This is the this is the company that bought his. His, uh, his software for $1 million plus $1 million for the patent rights, $2 million. That, um, that was Martin Lorenzen. Lorenzen. He, was the, uh, he was the chairman of Double Trader. And, and he had actually made a lot of money. He'd made $70 million. He was a Silicon Valley guy. And, uh, and he was a Silicon Valley veteran. He, he, he was actually um, one of the founders of Alta Vista, one of the first uh, search engines out there in Silicon Valley. And he was um, actually getting tired of the grind. I mean, he was rich, young, and he didn't have a purpose in life. And so he and uh, Daniel X started sitting around drinking beer together. I mean, here they go. Two young, rich guys feeling sorry for themselves. I mean, you know, they, yeah. they they really couldn't get anybody else to, to worry about them. Actually, mm-hmm. it would they That's they sad. they just had each other. <laughs> so, and they both loved music, and and Eck loved music, and he and he started thinking. He says, "Why can't I combine my love of computers and my love of music in one thing?" And so, and so they they decided to to start Spotify, and they were. They were trying to figure out what to call it, and they were calling names back and forth. They were in two different rooms, uh, and they would say, how about this name? How about that name? And he misunderstood something that, uh, that his partner said, and he thought it was Spotify, but it wasn't. And so he typed in Spotify by mistake, and it turned out there were no hits on Google. Nobody had ever taken it. So they immediately locked up that domain name, and it became Spotify. Now, they originally made it a peer-to-peer music service like Napster because Napster had to be peer-to-peer because they were breaking all the copyright laws, and if you had a central server, you'd be shut down by the police. But, you know, they wanted to do it legitimately, so they, they went, they went to a more, more to a centralized server system and got rid of the peer, tier, peer-to-peer system that, uh, that, that Napster and Kazaa were using. Now, this is what he felt because he... He was really um, a music guy, and he felt that piracy had ruined the music industry. Then, when, um, then, then what happened was Steve Jobs came along with iTunes, and then you would sell an iTunes track for 99 cents. So Steve Jobs further contributed to the decline of the music industry because the music industry used to make money on selling an album, and Steve Jobs 
train them to buy a track. And then Steve Jobs took 30% of the revenue. Mm-hmm. And so the, the revenue stream of the music industry was just going down, 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 down. I mean, it, was, it had gone, you know, probably cut in half. And actually, iTunes, which you'd think would have helped it, actually accelerated the decline because it changed the buying habits of people. So what he felt was that we need, you needed a better way to distribute music, pay the artists, and, uh, and it has to be so convenient that it's more attractive than piracy. You see, that's right. the thing. Because you, you, you're not going to end piracy with, you know, with, with police raids. <laughs> you, you're you're, you're, you're going to end piracy with, by making a better alternative to piracy. So that was the idea behind Spotify. And so they began Spotify, and they, he, he originally went out, he and his, uh, he and his partner, uh, Martin uh, Lorenzen, they, they went out and they started trying to make deals with record companies. And the record companies, they, they said, oh, we're just sick and tired of this digital distribution. It's ruining us. And they, they couldn't get anybody interested in it. So they ended up, what they did to show them how attractive it was, they ended up pirating a lot of music and putting it into the platform and then demonstrating the platform with pirated music to the music industry. And the music industry are playing around with They said, wow, this is pretty cool. We kind of like it. So then they began to get... Uh, record labels to go with it, and they, um, uh, and but they, Martin Lorenzen, he took all of his cash and he started investing, and so they would pay the record labels a million dollars to get them to commit to use Spotify. So they were putting out a lot of upfront cash. None of the VCs would touch them because they said this is just a loser. But it turned out that Daniel Eck had a passion to try to solve this problem with the music industry, and they just kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. And they got more and more, more and more record labels to go on board, and uh, you know, and so they they just kept expanding it. In 2017, Eck was named the most powerful person in music by Billboard because he had single-handedly changing the revenue model. By 2018, Spotify had 159 million active users, and 70 million were paying subscriptions. Wow. Okay. Now, Spotify has been valued at $16 billion. Mm. That would put X share, because he had to sell out, that would put his share, so he's worth about $1.6 billion, which is not bad for eight weeks of college. Now, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right, exactly. It's not, now, you might ask, and I, I think I'll just, why would the, what is different about the Spotify business model that makes it attractive? What's different about the Spotify? I'm, you know, I'm glad you asked that. I didn't that. get finished I'm, asking. I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, what what it is, it, it was a social media platform from the very beginning, and it was built around playlists, where you would develop a playlist of songs that you liked, and then um, you, 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 they would play ads that you'd have to you'd have to listen to ads, that, you know, because you were getting the music for free. But then you would develop a playlist. But then, because it's a social media platform, you share your playlist with friends. And you're and you can see the playlists of your other of your other friends of all of your friends. And so what you can start doing, you can start listening to their playlist to see what music you like and then share it. And mm-hmm. over time, you can develop your own playlist of, of all the songs that you truly love. That also it was an it was an application interface 
where record labels and different people could write applications that would search the music, all the songs, for particular songs that you liked. And so all of a sudden there were these apps out there searching for different kinds of, uh, you know, of songs. And so you could discover songs that you never heard of and decide, hey, I like that song, add it to your play- playlist. But here's, here's the deal and what, what made it so sticky. Once people develop this extensive playlist because they've worked so hard to develop it, that becomes valuable to that person. And right. if they want to have that playlist at home on their computer, on their, on their iPad, on their iPhone, or have it across all devices, you have to pay $10 a month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the playlist is what became sticky. Now, you see, if you go to Pandora, you don't have a playlist. Nope. You, you pick a radio station. You, you got an artist you like, and they just and they and, pick for and you. And they've got an algorithm, and they, just, they pick for you. So you, you don't have a playlist. And so it's a completely different model. And then because now you've selected a playlist of artists that you listen to, those artists on your playlist get a little bit of revenue because they're on your playlist. And so it's a better way to split revenue. Now, what is interesting, Sweden, which was the hotbed of piracy. I didn't know that. Yeah, music piracy. It was the hotbed of music piracy. Their music industry revenues had been sh- had been shrinking for the last decade. And this last year is the first time that Sweden's music industry revenue went up. Now, this is interesting. In Sweden, 50% of all sales of music in Sweden were on Spotify. Mm. That's up from 25% the previous year. And this is the country where where piracy was the worst of the worst. So it's a business model that seems to be working, and I think Eck, because he was motivated to help the music industry, actually made a difference. It's Saturday morning, and I hope you're paying (laughs) attention because we're about to show you that sometimes lunch is free. Pay attention for the pop quiz coming up next on Tech Talk Radio, Federal <laughs> News Radio, 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD 2, 103.9 FM HD 2, on the web at stratford.edu. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. Ready to make a real difference in 2018? A degree in cybersecurity, digital forensics, or networking and telecommunications could help you secure your future as you help secure the world. Stratford University is now enrolling for 2018. Classes start January 8th with career-focused IT degree programs to fit your busy schedule on campus and online. Let Stratford's experienced IT faculty share their industry knowledge and practical solutions to help you succeed in one of today's most sought-after fields with accelerated classes and year-round program starts to help you earn your degree faster. Register today at stratford.edu 2018. That's stratford.edu 2018, where you'll also find details on Stratford's limited-time $15,000 IT scholarship competition to help you achieve your degree goals. Get complete information now at stratford.edu 2018. Stratford University, changing lives one student at a time. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio.
Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Ross, featuring Mr. Big Voice, with musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band, and your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please be seated. Yeah, thank you. Please be seated. of control. They, they get louder when you say thank I you. I know, I know this is an exciting show, but just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> now, earlier in the show, we talked, of course, about Daniel Eck, because this is a classroom of the airways. Correct. And we are a teaching, a teaching program. Yes. And we're going to have a pop quiz today relating to Daniel Eck to see whether you've been listening. He, of course, is co-founder and CEO of the music streaming service Spotify. But when he was five years old, his parents gave him a musical instrument. That was the same musical instrument that he played while he was in that log cabin trying to find himself. What would that musical instrument have been? If you know the answer to today's question, don't just sit there, pick up the phone and, well, call us now. If you're calling from west of the Rockies, don't call 877-936-9333. It's broken. Today's number is 202-274-4815. If you're calling from east of Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 202-274-4815. If you're streaming music in Canada, stop and stream us instead and call 202-274-4815. The international line is screwed up too. But you can reach us on Facebook and answer the question there. Just look for Tech Talk Online. Andrew Mitchell, our adjunct professor for prize distribution and crowd control, doesn't have to answer the phones, so he went home. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about another trick. Oh, wait a minute. Was there something else we were going to do? Oh, no. yeah. If You could also, if you can't get through on any of those menus, you could email us at techtalk at stratford.edu. That's, that's pretty simple. That's I think we very, can handle it. That's very simple. And we'll try to get all this coordinated with all these various devices and, here. Right. Trying exactly. to overcome technical Te- limitations technical. here in the, the studio. It's funny that the tech, tech show has technical problems. I know. It certainly is. Now, you know, there's a feature that I like about Amazon. They've got it. It functions like a household PA system. It sounds like fun. It is. So I've got like four Amazons in the house. And I can say, Alexa, announce that it is time to get up. And all the Alexas will say, it'll go beep, 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 beep. It is time to get up. Or you can say, it is time for dinner. So you don't you don't have to, like, yell in the house. You can actually use this Alexa system as a PA. This sounds like a great way to make people very angry. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's very good. You know, especially at 6 a.m. in the morning. I was actually, I, I got, well, it, it does create problems because, I, well, I get up at, at three o'clock to prepare tech talk. I was testing that feature this morning. Oh no! Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Are I, you still asleep up there? That's right. It's three yeah. thirty. Uh, Amazon. Yeah, Alexa, please announce it is three thirty and, and time to fix some coffee. It's three thirty. I can't find the wine. <laughs> yeah. So that uh, Amazon PA system is quite a fun thing. Now, here's another thing about you know Facebook has been in the news and there's one feature in Facebook that is. That's sort of, it's good, and then sometimes it's really bad. It's called the On This Day feature, where it brings up old memories. And, I mean, sometimes it's just harmless nostalgia. You'll see, you know, the birthdays birthdays of your kids or some events, momentous event in your life. But every once in a while, 
It can bring up a painful memory that you really don't want to be reminded of. There could be a certain person you don't want to ever hear about again, like an ex-boyfriend <laughs> yeah, or a few of them. or the jerk that you you know that you that you used to date something, or you know who, who knows <laughs> or the jerk you're married. That's to. right. <laughs> uh, or there or there, there could just be something. There could be some very painful. Somebody might have died. You don't want that coming up. There could be a lot of other things. So it is, that's creepy because not everybody knows how to get rid of somebody's Facebook page after they're gone. And I know people that are gone and their birthday keeps popping up. Yeah, that's kind of that. Freaky. That is a little freaky. So you can actually go in and adjust this on this day, ah. and you and you can and you can exclude certain people and certain dates. So you can go to Facebook.com/slash on this day, Facebook.com/slash on this day, and then you go to pre the pre then click on the preference button, and you can put down the dates that you never want to be reminded of or people that you never want to be reminded of. Can you of. put and, down and 365 days? Uh, you could do that, actually. <laughs> yes, you could. You, you you could put in 365 days, and it would just totally turn the system off. But uh, you could certainly do that. And so I think that's not a bad thing to have that's happen. That's not bad at all. No. Hey, let's take a break. Okay. That you want to do that? Yeah, it'd be very good. Okay. It's Saturday morning, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio. This is Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1039 FM HD 2, on the web at stratford.edu. Watch us do the program by downloading the Periscope app to your device and following us at WFED Tech Talk. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. Ready to make a real difference in 2018? A degree in cybersecurity, digital forensics, or networking and telecommunications could help you secure your future as you help secure the world. Stratford University is now enrolling for 2018. Classes start January 8th with career-focused IT degree programs to fit your busy schedule on campus and online. Let Stratford's experienced IT faculty share their industry knowledge and practical solutions to help you succeed in one of today's most sought-after fields. With accelerated classes and year-round program starts to help you earn your degree faster. Register today at stratford.edu slash 2018. That's stratford.edu slash 2018, where you'll also find details on Stratford's limited-time $15,000 IT scholarship competition to help you achieve your degree goals. Get complete information now at stratford.edu slash 2018. Stratford University, changing lives one student at a time. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge of Stratford University talking technology. Now let's talk about Zuckerberg in Congress. What was actually accomplished with his two days there? Well, first of all, I know that, uh, I know that Mark Zuckerberg owns a suit. Because he always he always <laughs> used, a he always used to wear a hoodie. I mean, a hoodie right. is his is his deal, and he decided that he would get dressed up for I, Congress. That was a wise idea, I think. Yeah, you know, he had almost six hundred questions. Uh, maybe um, fifteen of them were really good questions, and that and they and basically the questions were revolving should his should he be more heavily regulated, whether it intentionally censors conservative content. 
how many how much russian meddling affected uh, on facebook affected the election and the democratic process that was those were sort of the themes of all the questions but the whole thing was uh, the whole reason that everybody's all stirred up is that uh they discovered that uh, Facebook data had been used to help the Republicans. And in the, in the last election, Facebook data was used to help the Democrats but with Obama, but now it was being used to help Republicans. And that just lit a fire under everybody in Silicon Valley and elsewhere. And so they decided they'd better really study this thing. A firm called Cambridge Analytica which actually did a, had a contract with uh, with some Republicans. Uh, they harvested data of up to 85 million Facebook users and used that to provide targeted ads for the Republicans, and in particular Trump. And that has really people in an uproar. Um, you know, I I I think it, it it's been used equally on both sides of the aisle. I, I I don't think that's the real issue, but I do think there is an issue with data being used without people's permission. That's the crux of the matter, and mm-hmm, I think that right. is a valid that is a valid point, and I think they're running f- fast and you loose know, with the data. Don't you think a lot of people knew that their data was being used, but I don't think they realized how, how, much. how much and how it's being used. That's right. See, what they didn't realize was that um, when, they, when you sign up, like you might sign up for some contest. Say uh, you might sign up a contest. Do you think... Uh, do you think uh, uh, you know, do you like uh, fir trees or elm trees? Just some ridiculous inane content. But but by signing up for that particular little contest, down in the fine print it says you're giving this company the right to all your data. And so you didn't know it, but you gave, you, you might have gone, filled out a contest, and all of a sudden some company that you don't even know, you've given them total access to all your data. Mm-hmm. And, and And Facebook was not controlling any of that. Because these companies that were using the Facebook Facebook platform, of course, paid Facebook. So Facebook made money on that interaction, and they didn't control what third-party apps did with your data or how they harvested. And so the data that Cambridge Analytica had was basically derived through these third-party uh, third-party app vendors, and they just collected it all up, and boom, they had it. And so. So the, uh, but the, you know, now the company has tried to, you know, you know, this was an apology to, to apology tour for Zuckerberg saying it was all my fault, but nobody really believes that that that, that they're going to really focus on fixing it. Now the company has voluntarily made a few things. First of all, they've cut off advertisers' access to to information from third-party data brokers. So they're not gonna they're 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 cutting down the power of the third-party data brokers and not letting advertisers use them, and uh, and this third-party data had been used to target users. I mean, very specifically for what they have. You know, like I, I mean, and I'll tell you, and it, it does happen. I was, for instance, I was using uh, I was down in Nashville last week and I bought some cowboy boots. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you this, have to wear them on Saturday. When it's 95 degrees. I'm telling you, Jim, these boots look good. <laughs> these boots these boots look good. I find there's two things about <laughs> cowboy boots. You either like them or you don't. Yeah. These boots, these boots look good, Jim. No, I, no, I didn't get the big the big hat. I just I just got the boots. 
Now, now here's the thing. Now a but but when I was trying to figure out which boot to buy, because I, I it turns out I don't know anything about cowboy boots. I went I've, I went on to Amazon and I was looking around for different cowboy boots. Now when now when I was doing tech talk research this morning, mm-hmm. every page I every page that I went right. to doing research, there was a boot ad. It followed me around the internet. It's crazy. And the last boot ad that I that that I that the last boot that I looked at on Amazon, that ad followed me everywhere. So this so this targeted advertising using you know using using this data, I think people don't like. And now they all the company has also developed a, a way for people to download and review the data that they have. Mm-hmm. So you can download you can go to you can go to um, you can go to a Facebook page and you can download all everything that everything Facebook's got on you. And people started doing that. And they are shocked. I bet they are shocked because there were things that people did on the you know on the internet that they well nobody's going to know about this and there it is on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So they were a little bit shocked. So now at least they are giving people some awareness as to what data Facebook has, but it's a long way from solving the problem. I think this is a major major problem, and I don't know whether Congress can do it because uh, I just oh I don't I, I God anytime they get. Anytime they try to regulate something they don't understand, they make it worse. They do, and you know, and but just by I think I listened to maybe the first twenty minutes of the yeah. first day. I couldn't take it anymore. These guys know nothing about technology. So I, I think if Facebook could become more transparent and have an outside board looking at it, so there's some assurance that you don't have some you know old agenda going on inside, that that may be a better solution. But uh, Facebook's going to have to accelerate and come up with something that is believable and that is transparent. Or else Congress will regulate them. And And nobody will be happy. And nobody will be happy. Now, of course, people are getting tired of not having any privacy on the web. And so you have this question, how can I create an anonymous email account? So how do I create an anonymous email account? (laughs) Yeah, well, first thing, you have to be able to browse anonymously because when you're creating the account... If you're not browsing anonymously, they can trace back to your IP address where you were when you created the account. So you're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to browse anonymously, and you can get a Tor browser, a T O R browser. It's got a lot of uh, security built into it, and it uses uh, the Tor project, T O R. Tor stands for the Onion Router, and that basically is a proxy server, and it bounces around through around 10 proxies, bounces around the Internet, so they can't tell where the request originated from because the Tor network is secure and encrypted. And unless you are the NSA, it's you know it's very difficult to, to break into that. So you mm-hmm. want to use something like a Tor browser, and, the, uh, and, that, and then you can surf around, and then you can be surf to a certain degree anonymously. Now, the... Once you have that, and then you can sign up for a, um, you know, for an email account anonymously. Now, the the one that is um, that is recommended by the inter by the Enterprise Freedom inter- Internet Freedom Foundation is Hushmail. <laughs> Hushmail. Now, Hushmail's entire claim to fame is that it's easy to use and does not include any advertising. It has a built-in encryption between members, and of course. You get it all, but you have to pay for it. It's $49 a year. You get 10 gigs of free online storage. A free version gives you 25 megabytes of storage. Now, here's the problem. The servers are in the U.S., and so it's never been tested legally, but the question Hmm. is, can 
the federal government subpoena data from their servers. That's, Interesting. That's the thing. So those. So that's. But that's one option, highly recommended. But their servers are in the U.S. Now here's a second option: Gorilla Mail. <laughs> Gorilla Mail. Now that provides disposable temporary email. Technically, the address will exist forever, but it never used again. Any messages received at that address at Gorilla Mail only last for an hour. So suppose you're it's you, like Snapchat for email. That's a, suppose you suppose you got to log on to some to some website and they require they require an email address that you have to verify. So you put in you go to Gorilla Mail and get this randomized email address. It's good for an hour. So you oh, okay got it. You go there. They'll give you an email address. Good for an hour. Then you go to the go to the site. Put in that trans. You put in that temporary email address. You can ve- verify that you've received the email, so the account goes through, and an hour later, the email address is gone. Wow. So that's an ephemeral. They call that an ephemeral email address. And then we've got, there's, there's, uh, but So then, that means everything is really, really gone? It's gone. Yeah, it's gone. But it's, it's, it's a throwaway email for, you know, like for, like for, it's son- like, like it's, for signing up for a contest and you don't want to get spammed it's the rest like of your life. Drug dealers who get the cheapo cell phones, they call them burners. That's right. It's, <laughs> it's a burner. It's a burner. It's a burner. <laughs> now, here's an even better burner. It's called, it's called the Mailinator. <laughs> now, what you do with the Mailinator, this is really easy to use. At Gorilla Mail, you've got to set up an account in order to get this randomized uh, uh, email. But at Mailinator, what you do is, uh, it's very easy to do this with the mailinator. What you do is that you just uh, basically make up an email address, a complicated email address. You put at mailinator.com. And then you go to the mailinator.com uh, site and you put in that complicated email address and you can read the email. Now, here's the thing. There's no password. So if somebody else uses the, the same, same complicated, oh, no. then two people can use the same email. But you see, there's no... I mean, but you make something really complicated with a really long random string number right, exactly. string that, and then nobody would figure it. And out. then there's no, there's no password. There's nothing. You just use it, and it goes, and it then goes to mail. But it, and it, but it lives forever. Yeah, it lives forever. Yeah, it lives forever, and it's kind of a randomized one. Do but, you know where the servers for that are? No, because that's part of the issue. It sounds like if the if the servers are out of the country, that's right. Then it can't be subpoenaed if you're up to something bad. Not that anybody listening to the show would be up to anything. No, that, I know. so so Mailinator. I don't know where the servers are actually, but that's that that's really easy to use. Now the one that is uh, most recommended is Proton Mail over Tor. The internet Proton Mail. It's a server. It's a service with servers in Switzerland. And that's a country that really loves secrecy. <laughs> and they will not respond to subpoenas from the U.S. government. Now, it provides fully encrypted messaging. Anyone can get an account for free that holds up to 500 megabytes of data. You can get up to 150 messages per day or four, or you can pay four euros a month to get the advanced features. Uh, but Anonymy comes with ProtonMail's specific support for Tor. So they support Tor directly. So you log on through Tor to ProtonMail. So your IP address is, you know, is, is anonymous and nobody, and nobody knows where you are and it's in Switzerland. So if you really, really are worried about being anonymous on the Internet... Proton Mail over Tor is a pretty pretty good option. I'm trying to f- I'm trying to figure out where Mailinator's servers are. 
They don't seem to want to divulge that. They don't want it. They don't want to no. know. You know, and you know. I, so I'd really never heard of mailinator before. I so I started in research on. Maybe this. we'll so have to try right. this out. That's right. I you know I made a few announcements about mailinator over the. Uh, over my Amazon Echo <laughs> this morning, but uh, but you know it just was not appreciated. You, it, all your stuff was, is going to be in a mailinator it, account. It was not. It was not appreciated at all. Now, mm. SCADA devices are a major security weak point. SCADA, those are supervisory control and data acquisition devices. And what happened was, you know, it used to be the electrical system, natural gas system, gasoline system, water system, waste treatment. They all had manual switches and valves and everything. And they would go in and people would go out there, the technicians, they would switch these things to operate them. And then somebody got the bright idea, hey, why don't we hook all these switches up to the Internet? Oh, boy. So it turns out that... It's like you, your garage door. Yeah, and exactly, like my garage door now. <laughs> <laughs> and so now they hook them up to the Internet. They were really proud of themselves. And the interface to the Internet was a supervisory control and data acquisition device, SCADA. So companies started rushing these SCADA devices out, and they and they were just they wanted to get them out quickly. They wanted to make it really easy to get to, to get them set up. You know, they wanted to make it really easy. And what do you do to make it really easy? Don't have any security. No, there are no passwords. God. It just works... Plug it in and it works. That's what they wanted, and they figured they would have they would have security through obscurity. But actually, there were no passwords. There just was almost no attention was paid to security. Now you can imagine what happens if your power grid is on the internet without security. Yeah, that's a really gas. good idea. So as a result, they, the performance, reliability, flexibility, and safety they they, they 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 were all distributed. They were very robust, but the security of these systems was very weak. And that made a huge. That made us very vulnerable to disruption of service. You remember when Crimea went down? SCADA devices. They really? were really, and that was really a proof of concept for 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 the U.S. activities go, over here. Proof mm -hmm. of concept. And so, I think we got some real issues there. So there is a, the uh, U.S. Energy Service has is really worried about it. They've been auditing all these SCADA devices. And they've been, and they said we've got a real issue here. The President's uh, Critical Infrastructure and Protection Board and Department of Energy have outlined specific steps that organizations should take to improve their SCADA networks. And I've got a link to that to that layout, and it's a 21-step system to tighten up the SCADA networks. Listen, we love your email. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu. We'll get back to you immediately or maybe at the next show. And, of course, go to the Stratford University website at stratford.edu. Check out the programs and tell them you heard about those programs on Tech Talk Radio. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.